Smoke Man, featuring your boy King Mac. What's up, King Mac? I appreciate it. Brought to you by the Bad Guy Radio. smoke room i have a special guest i'm excited to talk to this brother because i thoroughly enjoy listening to how the brother breaks down how he studies the bible how you doing today semitic jew what's up brother i'm doing well how about yourself doing good i can't complain uh first of all thank you for having me onto your show brother i really appreciate that and uh also thank you for uh being a frequent listener to the podcast um just a quick word on the podcast. The podcast is specifically designed for um, expositing the scriptures um, without eisegeting the scriptures, but primarily exegeting the scriptures. And those words are very important. Uh, eisegesis means you're putting your own ideas into the text. Exegesis means you're reading out of the text what is there and what the author's intentions were. Um. So again, I appreciate you having me, brother. Uh, I'm excited uh, for this show, and um, and I appreciate the dialogue that we've had on social media. I hope this definitely continues, and that uh, we build more and have more episodes like this. Um, but to your question, um, I think so. My walk is kind of complicated. I think it began uh, if I go as far back as possible. My, my, uh, I was raised by two women, my grandmother and my mom. And, um, they were avid, uh, churchgoers. So I was raised in the Christian church and I was baptized at nine years old. Um, I still remember being submerged in water, uh, coming up like a wet chicken. (laughs) And, uh, and I just remember, uh, the congregation um, leaping for joy and shouting and clapping and stuff like that. It was a great experience as a, as a nine-year-old felt like I was doing the right thing. Um, And I don't, I don't know if I knew uh, what I was doing at the time uh, or why I was doing it, or if I just was doing it because it felt like the right thing to do. Um, but I do remember getting that altar call and felt compelled to go. So I did and get baptized, et cetera. And the rest is history. But then, um, we had a hard time growing up. Um, a lot of financial issues, a lot of homelessness, et cetera, uh, which led to, um, I guess some questions I had, um, and the time spent with the Lord definitely was not a priority. Um, so, you know, with, with the moving around and bouncing around and things like that, um, I kind of left the Bible and God alone, so to speak, or at least I thought I did. Uh, when I, I think I was with uh, with friends and, and family members and things like that. But when I was 18, we stayed in this uh, urban community in Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, which is now demolished because the, 
the housing development was just completely in shambles at the time, but uh, our people were still living in there. Um, but anyway, there was this church plant across the street, just in a room uh, in an apartment building. And I saw a cross erected out there. So I was like, man, what are those people doing over there? So uh, one day I just went over to see what was going on. And a pastor was there, happened to be a white guy who was uh, preaching the gospel there. And uh, I ended up getting baptized again, but I heard the gospel and I was like, man, you know, this is, um, you know, I need to be back. I need to build my relationship back with Christ. So that's what I was doing um, by being baptized again. I even went on a mission retreat to Pennsylvania and some pastor conferences about church planning and things like that. So needless to say, from eight from 18 all the way up, um, I still had some, was still dealing with some, uh, we call them generational curses, like the, the poverty thing, um, plaguing me and plaguing my family, which is still plaguing my family to this day, most of them. And, uh, some of the issues is still just wrestling with, um, from the time I was 18 up until I was 26, because I had, I was still living at home with my mom. And I was trying to go to college and trying to make something out of my life. And, um, but needless to say, I almost had like a, I'd say a, what people would call like a nervous breakdown. Cause we were, it was six of us. We were staying in a one bedroom apartment, me and, um, me and my family. And I was like, man, this is, this can't be life. Like I'm following God and I'm, we still having all these struggles. Like what's going on? So, uh, I was having an episode one night and I was like, man, like I just started calling on the name of Christ. I was like, Lord Jesus, like, I don't know what's going on. Like my mind is, I'm frustrated. I'm bitter. I'm upset. And then a, a woman from Winthrop university, cause I was attending Winthrop university at the time. She came to me and she was like, look, I told her my story. She was like, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't leave home, you're going to be bitter. You ain't going to have no family. You ain't going to, uh, accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish in this life. So I took that to home and I ended up, um, I was like, yeah, man, my family's going to be okay. Cause what was happening was I was in this mental wrestling between is my family going to be okay if I can't provide for them. And, um, I wasn't getting any answers directly from God. So I was kind of leaning on my own understanding. Like if I leave, they're going to have worse off because I was kind of like helping them financially and things like that. I felt like that was my responsibility, but since I left, my family has been their bare necessities and everything has been taken care of. Like, um, it's it's amazing to see that um, because I was kind of stepping out on faith on that. And um, so I left home at 26 and then I um, went and got my college degree and stuff like that. And then I would say along that time, I was studying the scriptures and uh, just reading the scriptures from a store from a like a storybook, so to speak, like reading about, you know, Christ and the rich young ruler and seeing what I can get from that, seeing how I should live my life, morally speaking, how I should be kind to people, treat people well, things like that. But it wasn't until I'd say last year that I began to actually start reading the Bible for myself. Like I had all these teachers throughout my life and people who are telling me, hey, this is what this means. And hey, this is what that means. And I kind of took it to heart and believed everything that that person told me without actually investigating it myself. But then now a 35 year old man, I'm like, I need to be, I need to stand on my own too. So I started doing that and started reading the scriptures bit by bit. And man, when I tell you 
once you do that, God will come and make his abode in you and you'll start understanding the scriptures like you have never before. And of course you need counselors around you. And this, which brings me to this precept. Um, I can't remember the precept, uh, but, but I do know the words. It says in a multitude of counselors, a thought is established. I think it's in the book of Proverbs. So we need people who, who are, who know the word and know what they're talking about. And, uh, but we need to also make sure that uh, through those multitude of counselors that it's making sense from the scriptures, what we're reading. So my, how I read the scriptures now has changed over time. And I think now I'm in a position to actually begin to understand the scriptures for the first time in my life. I heard you say you was raised by basically two Christian women. Mm -hmm. And now is your belief system different? And the two Christian women that raised you? Uh, 20? Wow, I was 20 years old when um, she left the earth. She didn't. She passed away not long after that conversation because I used to come over when she was developing dementia and we would have conversations about the scriptures. And uh, she told my mom that. That was like one of the last things she said. If y'all follow Darielle, y'all will be okay. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I, I'm be actually beginning to understand that, but... She's not long. She's no longer with us, but my mom is still with us. All praise to the Most High. And my mom, uh, when I call her and we talk about the scriptures, my mom is—I would say my mom shares a good bit of the understanding that I have now. But uh, as far as keeping the laws, I feel like our people, and not just not just our people, but my mom too. She—it's a—it's hard trying to give up. Um, or trying to follow the dietary laws when you feel like Christ is is going to like whenever you pass away and then you stand before God that Christ is going to be like, oh, it's okay that you ate pork and ate shellfish and didn't follow the dietary laws. But a lot of our people, unfortunately, believe that. I, on the other hand, I follow the dietary laws, but I'm trying to encourage my family members, especially my mom, to also follow those laws as well it gives them the mindset that they don't have to follow a God laws. So they think they can just do anything because they have a quote unquote, get out of jail free card. Cause they can just <laughs> go ask for forgiveness. Is, is that basically the problem? Yes, absolutely. I think that is the biggest issue. Um, because, and it's because of that, that we, um, and put it all on God and say, well, God made me like this or God, will forgive me for this, et cetera, is becoming ubiquitous and is absolutely dangerous, um, especially for us, because we're naturally, you look at statistics, we are naturally a religious people because God just put that in our heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that uh, God put eternity in our hearts. And that's just how we've always been. We're just a spiritual people. So I think when we keep, when we don't follow God's laws, we open up ourselves to um a lot of error and um and that's just not who god made us to be we're, we're god's chosen people yeah i think one reason i'm not keying on like because i see i see a lot of brothers a lot of times or even sisters right they just strictly like they go after christianity mm -hmm. the religion based on the term that's used today number one right. and then based on some of you know, I would say some of the uh, the way the churches act. I would also say because they don't they don't believe that 
uh, some Christians are, you know, following the laws. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm careful really to lump people into just one huge group because what I what I found out when it comes to spirit spirituality and when it comes to religion, it's a difference. And a lot of the times, right, with religion, it just be different sects. And I'm talking about mm-hmm. this could be within the black community. You know what I mean? You right. could have mm-hmm. different groups of Israelites that believe totally different doctrines. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Just like you have mm-hmm. different groups of what we would call Christians believe totally different doctrines, right? And that's Absolutely. one of the things that's interesting about the story of Paul of reading or reading Paul is Paul was trying to get all these different <laughs> churches in line to line up uh-huh. basically the same. You know what I mean? So I'm right. careful with that because just like you said, it's people that believe like I was born this way when you talk about the LGBT or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've seen and I've noticed lately is you have a, a group of people, and it's just not the same, but they believe that you're predestined. So basically you don't have a choice. Basically what you're doing, you were meant to do that. And they use scripture to justify it. And that's one reason why I like listening to your podcast is because what I'm interested in is what I like to call like Hebrew thinking. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is understanding the scripture from a Hebrew context. So understanding how the people of those times function, their culture, how they acted, what was going on, what was happening. Because if you understand those things, it makes it much more difficult to kind of misrepresent the scripture. Amen. Yes, brother. So, so I like, listening to your podcast because you're what you're doing is you're trying to break it down from a Hebrew standpoint. And it, that could be difficult, especially in this day and time, because people generally, if they have a disagreement, they want to debate and argue about (laughs) the disagreement instead of trying to gain some sort of understanding or why do my brother see this scripture this way? And I see it differently. And maybe we can come to some type of understanding together. It's just like yesterday I was talking about um, what somebody had posted to how basically God, you know, blamed Adam for what Eve did. You know what I mean? Eve brought Adam the fruit. I say, man, that's interesting because it doesn't say like when you say brought, that means she went from one place to another place and gave him the fruit and doesn't necessarily say that. So I say an interesting right. question to ask yourself. And it's just a question. Was Adam there the whole time when the serpent was talking to Eve? So then the person was like, well, you can't take the scripture out of context because it said that the serpent just talked to Eve. I say, yeah, that's talking. That doesn't mean that he wasn't there. That just mean the serpent was specifically talking to Eve like it was if the dialogue was between the serpent and Eve and that doesn't right. mean that Adam wasn't in her her presence it's just like you could be standing next to your wife and it could be a person having a dialogue with just them and your wife but you're still there you're still in her presence so I just try to give people something different to look at to really take a deeper dive in scripture and that's why I like 
uh, listening to your podcast, brother, because even if I may not agree, you give me something, you know, to uh, to think about. You know what I mean? So I appreciate, you, I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Yeah, you got you got that's. I like what you said, and that's. Um, I don't know what technique that is. Um, I think it's so. I teach math for a living, so some of the uh, Greek culture I'm familiar with from a mathematical standpoint, because you know they got Pythagorean theorem and uh, the Cartesian plane, and you hear about a lot of Greeks and stuff like that during math. math I mean, in uh, our structure of mathematics in the United States. But I uh, like what you said, though. I think the technique that you're using is called, they call it the Socratic method, where you you ask questions about the passage. You ask questions about, um, like, things that folks don't generally look at. Like you said, they had a presupposition, like, oh, you know, this is what the text says. And then when you come with a question about what they have said then you know instead of looking at it objectively they feel their presupposition was challenged and it creates a cognitive dissonance now they're like they think that you're challenging their belief you know you know and it's not like you said it's not that it's just like you can't we can't put a um a prison around a precept and say this is what it means and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt we can cuz each precept from what i've under, from from what i'm gathering is uh like i just expounded on i think Cain's Cain and Cain's offering i think um in episode 13 mm-hmm. and uh what i learned even i spent an hour talking about that that particular uh, passage which is Genesis chapter 4 verse 8 about Cain and Cain's offering or excuse me not uh, actually it's Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 to 8 and um, what I found out is in that whole section man you can you can there's a lot to be said I need more than an hour to even talk about every single thing that I see in that section yes is is specifically referring to offerings and how you got to come to God with blood things like that but uh like you said i i have developed that same spirit that you have which is an open mind when it comes to the scriptures and not necessarily one that is putting my own thoughts in there and saying it absolutely and then and then refusing to listen to somebody else talk about the scriptures i feel like that's just like i can't do that you know what i mean yeah i mean you you don't really grow, and 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 what I what I mm-hmm. think is like what I try to do too, as far as the scripture, I try to find myself in that scripture, mm-hmm. or whatever circumstance or situation I'm going through, I try to find myself in that scripture because to be honest, anything you could possibly go through is in scripture. Ooh. It's a lesson 100%. there. It's a it's a teaching there, and I think one thing we have to be careful of, and and this is why I don't really get into the bait of arguing different religion and I talk about spirituality because one thing we have to be mm-hmm. careful of is we have to remember right that Jesus challenged teachings mm-hmm. he challenged quote unquote some of the smartest people in his culture right. which was Pharisees mm-hmm. these these were well learned people and he challenged how 
they viewed or looked at the scriptures. So I think that's why it's important for us not to be closed minded or be scared to have dialogue and not be closed off because we feel like somebody is attacking us because they asking a question. I think, I think that's very important. hundred percent, hundred percent that in fact, um, I don't know if you are, uh, let me see, you may be familiar with this precept. Um, oh, it's actually first Peter three fifteen. um, first Peter three fifteen. it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. So like, that's one of my favorite passages because that's talking about that, that word for the, uh, for making a defense is apologia in the Greek. And it's a legal term, uh, that denotes, um, like if you're a lawyer in a court case, you're going to make a defense for why this, is this and this particular passage uh peter is saying uh first of all sanctify christ in your hearts that's number one sanctify christ in your hearts and then number two be ready to make a defense and to give a logical answer for the hope that is in in you but how do you do that you got to do it with gentleness and respect because you are going to talk to israelites who you are going to disagree with. You are going to talk to other people who may be in Christianity or a religion and who may disagree with you or people who are not necessarily in a religion, but they're seeking and you got to approach them with gentleness and respect. Otherwise you're not going to win them over. Yeah. I agree with that. 100%. Like my, my uh, thing is I'm not trying to bring anybody into any religion. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's, that's, Amen. that's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, I'm trying to bring people into understanding their God and understanding the benefits as far as why it's important to be connected to your creator. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in arguing doctrines instead of arguing, I mean, instead of talking about the actual scripture and, and see, that's what I'm into because what I found out, especially with us as black people, is, is that we, we're in an identity crisis, right? That's why a lot of times we're willing to accept anything, you know what I mean? And a lot of times when we can, when we feel like we're coming into who we are or we're learning where we come from because it seems like our story is, well, you came over here on a boat. Abraham, you was a slave. Abraham Lincoln freed you. Martin Luther King, you know, allowed you to be able to eat with the white folks. So it seemed like that's that's the story. That's 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 our right. history. So a lot of times when people are finding or they believe they're finding where they come from in their history, they they can get lost. And that's why a lot of times, like I always say you have Hebrew thinking, you have Egyptian thinking, mm. and you have Greek thinking. Mm. And I think if people separated it that way, they wouldn't get so lost because I'm saying a lot of brothers and sisters who believe they were coming into the truth and then they started mixing things that had absolutely nothing with God and then they become totally lost. Mm. So they go from trying to follow on God, mm. go from trying to follow on the law to now mm. they, they mixed all these things together. They mixed Egyptian thinking 
and Greek thinking together, and now they're totally lost. Now they went mm-hmm. from at least trying to follow the law to being totally in sin, and then what they did learn as far as scripture-wise, they try to use the scripture to justify what they're doing as far as in sin, and it messed them up because they didn't mixed all these different cultures together. And that's why you, you have to be careful. And that's why, like, you'll see people get off into Egyptian thinking, which is, to me, kind of more like a, a slave mentality where they searching all of this, you know, what they believe their culture to be that may not actually be their culture and it's contrary to the word of God. So you have to be careful with that type of stuff. And that that's one reason I break stuff down that way. Amen, brother. Like, you know what? Uh, that was... That was very powerful. Uh, in fact, it it made me think of two scriptures because uh, you said Hebrew thinking, uh, Egyptian thinking, and Greek thinking, right? Uh, this is Numbers chapter 14, verse 4. It says, and they said one to another, this was after God had brought them out of Egypt, and they said one to another, uh, let us make a captain. And let us return into Egypt. So they, after God had freed them and brought them out of this strong bondage, they wanted to go back. Right? Goes hand in hand with what you just said. And then there's another precept, the Apocrypha, actually. It's, um, let's see. Second Maccabees, let's see. Let's see. That's not the one I want. It is, I think it's Second Maccabees chapter four. I just started getting into the book of a, um, not the book of Apocrypha, but uh, the books in the the books in the Apocrypha that were actually taken out of uh, the 1611 Bible. I have started reading them, and it's so crazy the amount of information that's in there. But I can't find that precept right now. But it it talks about how our people at the time not only were was it not lawful for them to call themselves Jews, but it says that they loved the the ways of the Grecians most of all. In other words, they uh, it's kind of synonymous with you go to any HBCU, what's on campus, sororities and fraternities. And a lot of our people are going into those sororities and fraternities for the culture that really isn't ours. It's actually a Greek culture. And so it goes hand in hand with what you said because you got a Egyptian, you got the Egyptian mindset where you're looking back at Egypt, the pyramids and the great Kings of Egypt and the, the mindset um, that was there and the blackness of it and saying that, you know, we were Kings and Queens and things. And you find in that identity in Egypt versus, you know, um, we can say the Greek culture is the, the so-called white man's culture and all the things that, um, that that has shown to be over 
over history and both prisons are causing a division or a rift in our people's mind when they look when they're searching for identity like you just put yeah because it's like when you have a void you can fill that void with anything and a lot of times People void be that they're not created. They, I mean, they're not connected to their creator. So what happens is that void they have, they wind up searching out all these things and filling that void with it. Whether it be material, whether it be money, whether yeah. it be so-called love, whatever the case may be, mm. they just looking to fill that void. And one thing that had me just start reading more and studying when I was young, I, I read the Bible from front to back, but I just did it wow. to say I read it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, <laughs> it wasn't no purpose behind it. It was like a textbook. <laughs> yeah. Let me just read it. Say it's something I did. You know what I mean? Like I, I really yeah. didn't search out the scriptures. None of that. You know, it was just like, let me read. I retained very little of it. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. And my family was very strong in in faith, you know what I mean? I wouldn't say that they were walking perfectly or anything like that, but they had a strong belief in God. And I think like you said, that's most honestly, that's most black families. Like we we're a spiritual people. I one hundred percent agree with that. Absolutely. And it's like you go from that to me my my father was a, a street dude. He was a street guy. So he left mm-hmm. when I was young. Not saying that he was, wasn't totally around, but he wasn't really. He was never in the household or anything like that. So I seen the respect he mm-hmm. got because we lived in the same neighborhood. My mother stayed in Inglewood, and he stayed in Inglewood, too. He just so happened to be in the projects. So wow. when I used to go to the projects to visit my father's side of the family, I would see all this respect he would get. I'm like, man, this Mm. man is very well respected. And as you know, and this is even connected to scripture, not the street stuff, but the respect part is that what, that's what us man value is respect. We would almost rather you tell us you respect us. You respect us more than you, you love us because to us respect equals love. You know what I mean? So, so it was, it, it was like, man, he getting all this respect. Like this is where it's at. This is this is where I need to be. And then in my right. mind, it's like, well, you didn't choose to marry, you didn't choose to marry my mom. So, you know what I mean. Like, I was I wasn't good enough for you to stay with my mom. So it's like, you know what? Maybe I can get your attention by going out here and being better than you at what you was, which was in, involved in the street stuff. You know what I mean? So mm. that's why I say, like, we go out here searching anything that can fill a void because we really don't know who we are because we're really not connected to our creator, which creates all these issues. Mm. And I think that's one reason why, like I'm big on just trying to get people to understand, to be connected to their creator. I'm not really too much concerned about the doctrines or any of that. Because I think the first step is understanding you need salvation. And then anything after that, you know what I mean, is is great. But you got to get to the first step first. The baby crawl, then the baby walk. You know what I mean? They just don't 
start getting, they don't come out the womb running, you know what I mean? So I think people have to understand that, you know what I mean? And I think that's why I say brothers and sisters have to be careful because instead of you bringing somebody in, you actually pushing them away because you will have them thinking that it's unattainable to get connected that, to that creator mm. because you focus on so many things when they didn't not even at step one yet. Like mm. you gotta, you gotta get them to, you got to get them to step one first. Right. And I think a lot of times we overlook. Absolutely, brother. That's speaking to the foundation. Like that's, that's speaking to the foundation, right? Like, I mean, you touched, you touched on it. Like, I think I, like I just had a, um, uh, We've had our this is our third child. Um, Judah was born in in July of uh, this year. And, um, you know, now he's getting to the point now where he's holding his hands together and look admiring his hands, like looking at his hands like this and stuff. And like, it's so crazy. And, you know, even admiring my hands and trying to communicate because we talk to him often. And and I just think about I just think it like thinking while you were talking about that, like how important it is to um, have a foundational understanding of our creator, like that God created us from, um, and he is the sole author of creation of everything that we see. I think it's Psalms chapter 20. Uh, it says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we want to give credit to everybody, but him, but at the end of the day, like uh, having an understanding of of the fact that God created us and that our existence is dependent upon him, man, that'll change your whole world. And like you said, some people aren't even at step one because you got some atheists in the world who, according to human cleverness, um, they want to uh, have all these um we'd say uh, human philosophies that prevent them from having an understanding because they feel like, um, you know, their parents haven't given them good answers about the world and creation. Christianity hasn't really given them good answers or we could just say religion in general, not picking on the Christians, but just religion in general hasn't given them good answers to the questions that they have. And it creates a wall, a block from them to, even come and see like, man, we, we have a dependency on creation to the point where we're dependent on food. We're dependent on the people around us. We're dependent on, we're dependent on everything. And it just ultimately logically by induction reason, generally from uh, reasoning from the specific to the general that God created everything and that he is the creator um, of human, of human life in general. And of everything that we see, I think that's absolutely foundational, brother. And that's very important. And a lot of Israelites need to understand that, too. Uh, we need to understand that, uh, you know, when we are talking about God and preaching God's word, that if we don't have a clear understanding of God and who he is, uh, who he is from the scriptures or who he is as creator, we won't fully understand and appreciate what the Bible says about him. Oh, yeah. And I think a, a lot of people in general, right, is hurt by the hypocrisy. 
hundred percent. And and what I mean by that, and, and here's the thing: is like hypocrisy can come from any doctrine. Hypocrisy can come from what people call the Christian Church. Hypocrisy mm-hmm. can come from Israelites. Hypocrisy can come from any doctrine, religion in general. Mm-hmm. We've seen religion throughout history be used for evil, and that's why I say it's a difference between spirituality and religion and one thing about the living god is you have an opportunity to be connected to god yourself you have an opportunity to talk to god yourself you have an opportunity to develop a relationship with him yourself like i think sometimes we get in this mindset like we can't just have a discussion with god no you can actually have a discussion with god you can actually talk to your creator and I think sometimes why people, you know, stray away or are not willing to follow is because the hypocrisy, hypocrisy they see. They say people say one thing and do another thing. You know what I mean? And I tell people all the time. I tell brothers this all the time. It's like I know people who you would consider in Christianity that do everything you think you're doing better than you. <laughs> it's just the truth. Yeah. Do everything you think you're doing better than you from how they mm-hmm. treat their wives, how they treat people, the dietary stuff, everything. Even uh follow the Sabbath. Mm, okay. So it's like that's why I'm I'm very careful with titles. Mm. Because titles okay. have confused us. Even when like you'll see people arguing over Jesus. Just that simple name, that simple title. Not understanding that different regions you go in because of how they talk, how they speak, the name could be, it's the same, but the name could just be different. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But people mm-hmm. don't understand that. They don't have the right context. So they think because they saying a title one way makes them think makes them better than a person that says a title a different way. No. You know, and that's why I think we I'm big on just being careful on how I talk to people, how I speak to people, because I watch somebody whom I love get totally lost. Mm. Thought they was on the right path and they get totally lost. And I watch them be misled by a person you would think was in truth. You know, wow. So, yeah, you have to be be careful with that stuff. And to be honest, they're misleading each other because both of them know the word of God, you know what I mean? But they choose not to to follow it or choose to make excuses or reasons not to follow it. So that's why I'm Mm -hmm. careful because I think our main job, right, honor our God, our creator. And... He told us one of the things he told us about being wise is winning souls. So to me, if you're not doing that, then you're kind of wasting your time. Like you're arguing about nothing if you, if you're not bringing people, if you're not bringing people over the, over the God, then you arguing you arguing about nothing. You know what I mean? So, so that's one reason why, like I say, man, I I enjoy your your content, man. I, I really do. Uh, Thank you so much, bro. I like seeing how you. Take the time to break down scripture 
you know, because that, that's, man, that's a lot of time, to be honest, you know what I mean, to try to comb through it like that. That's That that takes a lot of time, you know. So Definitely. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, man. And I, and I enjoy this talk, you know. So this is the smoke room. You got any uh, shout-outs or anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, yes. Um, I definitely want to um, send my um, gratitude to the Israelite community on Twitter. Um, as as somebody who's from South Carolina, um, and not just the Israelite community by title, but I say the folk, the brothers who have definitely contributed to my uh, growth and understanding um, in this walk, um, some brothers from IUIC, uh, Sakari, uh, Great Millstone, um, uh, just the camps in general, these brothers, are, they don't get enough credit. They are scholars when it comes to historical research. They're scholars when it comes to biblical breakdown. They're scholars that um, that don't get the academic acknowledgement that we'd see in scholastic circles from people who have PhDs or MDivs, et cetera. And these brothers are just laymen, um, you know, some just, you know, are teachers, some work in steel work or some in other occupations. So I want to give a shout out to those brothers um, and all of those places, IUIC and Great Millstone and all the other camps, Sakari uh, and all of the all of the earth um, who are uh, preaching this truth and helping restore our people's identity and um, and their health, prosperity and wellness. And then. Um, I also want to mention that I'm currently building a a website that has a Bible, both the Old Testament, New Testament, the Apocrypha, and it's going to have um, biblical articles, uh, biblical um, information such as dictionaries, etc. It's going to be a complete library uh, for our people to go to all on one uh, nucleus. Um and it's going to be housed at SemiticJew.org. And I'm, so I'm currently holding a fundraiser for that. Um, right now, me and my wife are funding it ourselves, but the burden, the financial burden is, has grown. And uh, w- wanting to, having a desire to publish this professional website so that it looks and appeals to our people uh, because, you know, we like, we, it has to look good and it has to be professional. It has to be suitable. So I want nothing but the best for our people um, so that they can go and um, have something pleasing to the eyesight. And that's good for food. And that will bless, bless them as, as well as bless their, uh, their children. So, um, so that, that biblical website, you can find the GoFundMe link. If you, if you look up my name, Semitic Jew, or you can find it um, by looking up a biblical website, uh, on the GoFundMe page, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, my pay handle is Semitic underscore under underscore Jew on X, and you can find that fundraiser uh, pinned at the top of my timeline. All right, man. So, you got any smoke for anybody or anything you want to discuss? Um, no smoke for anybody to today. Uh, I do want to uh for your listeners, I do want to say um keep uh keep me my family and um my friends uh in your prayers um uh, because i have some family members who uh you know they're still in the world and i've reasoned with them 
time and time again. And uh, I just wish they could see the beauty that I see of God and of the stuff that God has shown me. So I want the same for them because it's changed my life. So um, I say instead of smoke, um, you know, bring the rain. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, just pray for my family uh, and uh, help us to be able to be an encouragement uh, to the people around us as well as the people who um, who are on social media, et cetera. Well, before I give out my smoke, I would like to first of all say thank you again to Semitic Jew for coming on the show. I would like to also tell people this is a perfect example of how people can get together who may not necessarily share all the same views and can discuss the word of God. So I'm very uh, appreciative of that. And uh, plenty much love to this brother, as we like to say, where I come from. Now, the smoke I be handing out is to myself. Because every day I'm learning something. Now, one day I share all of the information of some of the <laughs> trials and tribulations I've been I've been through. But now is not that time. I just say, man, this has been one of the roughest storms in my life. But what I'm learning... By reading the word Is God hates Complaining mm. So even when you're going Through a struggle Even when you're in a storm mm. You shouldn't be Complaining That's one of the things he taught To the people of Israel When they came out of Egypt They was just complaining Complaining They complained against Moses and God was ready to, to destroy them for that but Moses had to go to God and say, hey, come on, don't do that. You know? <laughs> but God dislikes complaining. And so what I'm going to do is stop complaining and just be thankful and show appreciation to God regardless of what it is I'm going through. Because we all talk about being servants, right? One of the best servants of all was Job. And even when he lost everything he had, he still honored God. He got down on his knees and he said, God, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. And praised him. Even though he lost his family, he lost his wealth, he still was thankful. And I think sometimes we have to take a step back and understand, even though we may be going through one of our Worst storms that we're still children of the most high, and we should be thankful for that. And with that being said, Bad Guy Radio app.